You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, we're back in the studios. Good morning. It's the first time back in the studios for months. It feels like uh, somebody cleaned in here. It looks very <laughs> looks very refreshed. I see Clorox, disinfectant wipes, and spray and all of that. So I'm happy to be back in the studio with you. I am happy you're back, too. You know, it's... Uh, it's COVID 24-7 pretty much everywhere, and uh, everybody's paying attention. We've had over 200,000 die, but there are some other unanticipated consequences here in Montana as a result of COVID. Some of them, you know, good for people that are selling homes, for example, but not so right. good for people looking to buy homes. In both Missoula and Bozeman, the last month's statistics show that the average realty price of its home sale it was up 21 percent wow which is a lot of money in bozeman that meant that eighty eight thousand dollars on average the home prices have increased as a result of people fleeing from the uh you know big cities and looking at montana as a place to uh, refuge incredible we're we always said we were ahead of the curve. <laughs> yeah, well, we're gonna have to find someplace else. I'm not sure where. Alaska, Canada won't let us in, but but it's happening. We're getting a film studio in Missoula, right near where we live. Right near where we live, they're putting in a multi-million dollar huge film studio, partially I think as a result of shows like Tombstone filming in Montana, needing right. facilities. Right, 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 right. I mean, they, that has been a Yellowstone, big, Yellowstone. Excuse me, Yellowstone. <laughs> no, but they may, but you know what? what? Arnie, I heard that there's a new airline coming in. I just read about it. Yeah. Uh, flying from Montana to Calgary. Yep, that'd be the first uh, international flight we would have. And that's have. the only way you can get into Canada right now. It's oh, a good yeah. flight. That would be a great flight. Yeah, I was saying, actually, uh, um, Kevin Costa was in Wyatt Earp, which was the competitor <laughs> to Tombstone. But Yellowstone has, uh, you know, they moved here to film yes. the complete show. Yes. It means millions of dollars of uh, of economic vitality for the community. Right. And uh, one of the consequences may be, uh, you know, a, a very good uh, future for the restaurant industry. And on that topic, we have Raz. From Second Set, Raz Schneider. Raz Schneider coming to visit us today to talk about what it's what the roller coaster of the restaurant industry has been like over these last seven, eight and months. And how COVID has affected their business. Yeah, and how it affected their business. They just celebrated their first anniversary, August 8th, right? Yeah. What a time to open a new restaurant. What a time to open a new restaurant. You and I are big fans. And after this break, we are going to be back with owner, proprietor, restaurateur, Raz Schneider. Back after this. Yeah. This is an important... Ah, the census is a special time when we count every single person in the country. Do kids and babies count too? Of course. Counting everyone in your home helps support your neighborhood by funding schools, hospitals, and more. So complete the census by calling, going online, or returning your form by mail. It's totally private. Visit 2020census.gov and make your family count. Brought to you by Carnegie Corporation of New York and the Ad Council. And we are back with Raz Schneider from Second Set Bistro. Arnie. Raz, how you been? How you feeling? How are things going? Arnie, I'm hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing good. What's the restaurant roller coaster been like over these last seven months? Absolute roller coaster. In both places, not only in Missoula, but your place in Cook City? Yeah, well, two different sets of circumstances. Right. Uh, so Cook City, you know, you're dependent on Yellowstone Park for 
your business. Uh, the tricky part of maneuvering the summer in Cook City is you're in a small tourist town, um, southwestern Montana, the proximity into which, like, uh, the folks that live around there believe in their freedoms. So part of those freedoms in which they believe was not wearing masks. So it was a constant battle for this group of people trying to keep themselves saves, safe and uh, our customers safe with the mask issue every day. And it became very... Do, do those people believe they... Do they not wear seat belts either? Or, uh, I mean, do they follow... Do they just do what they want? Is, it's the, they're like a Nike commercial, man. They just do it. Like, uh, yeah. But they... Drink uh, while they drive, no seat belts, ooh, no masks. Right, shoot guns. Shoot guns. Um, that's their right, right? And so that's how they live their lives, and that's what they believe. But uh, um, as far as our business goes, that's that's not how we wanted to operate, nor uh, were the people, you know, the outsiders, the tourists. Uh, it made for a very uncomfortable situation. Sure. And it made for a mentally taxing few months for the people up there. The other part, too which was difficult is uh, they're very short staffed. And I think this was the case for a lot of the um, border towns around national parks this summer. You, yeah. You depend on those J one visa um, workers right. from foreign countries and they just didn't have them. So we were working with a staff of eight people. It usually takes about 25 to staff the place to run full time uh, in the summer. And so they, they've done a remarkable job. I'm proud of them, uh, but they're tired. They're exhausted. Oh, I'm so, sure was one of the things I used to look forward to going to the national parks in the summer to see the name tags with the countries that right. all of the, uh, right. you know, summer workers came from. It was, a, it was, a, it was a, an element that, right. that was a persistent element. And, you, you know, you just got used to seeing who was going to wait on me, somebody from Austria, somebody from uh, Croatia, you know, and that, well, obviously that's gone. Socially, too. I mean, it's like uh, when you were in school, who's going to be the new kids in your class this right. year, right? Yeah. Uh, and so... They just didn't have that influx of people this summer, so it made it. It was a tough task for them. Now here in Missoula, uh, what we saw at, at second set, uh, Missoula did a wonderful job early in the pandemic. Um, none of us really knew what to expect, so in March when we got shut down, um, we we just didn't know. We thought we'll quarantine for two weeks and it'll all go away, and we'll pay our penance now, and uh, we'll get done with this early and we'll be okay. And uh, we didn't know if we could cook food, if it was transmitted uh, th through preparation yeah. of food. We just didn't. Nobody knew, right? Like, uh, so you go into this great unknown, and you saw how, or we saw how Missoula reacted, being downtown, and it was people were on it. People, people were careful. People were distancing. You'd go into spots, and people were wearing masks without having to be told to wear masks. I would travel to other places in the state, and it wasn't that way. And so it felt really comfortable here as far as, like, you could see uh, people were engaged. Um, and it made gave us comfort to, to get restarted again. And we saw a lot more local people early in the summer in May and April. Or I guess May 11th is when we reopened um, the week after Mother's Day for, for in-house service. And uh, we started to see the flow of local people, our regular customers, and then around, like, July 4th for us, uh, it was a noticeable just end to that. And I feel like the, the tourists came. And for us, we're about, like, 90% first-time customers right now. Uh, we're not really? seeing, we're That's not seeing great. any – well, it isn't, it isn't. Because, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. We um, – second set is, like, prided itself for when we designed this restaurant. The idea was we were going to be a community restaurant. And we wanted to be a place that locals felt comfortable coming. Right. 
we want we wanted our brand to be a local brand and so it's important to us that locals feel comfortable coming there that it's a spot that they want to go to and we appreciate any business that we get we appreciate the people that have come through this summer and um, have eaten with us but 90 percent is a problem because right, it's not right. a way to build a downtown business as far as like sustainability right. sure you need lo- you need locals we need locals so what's it like with you know 90 percent you know, new, new, new business. Well, it can be exciting. You get people coming from out of state that haven't been, uh, you know, maybe to Missoula or to Montana and they eat it second set and it is, it's a, it blows them away. They, they didn't, you know, they don't expect something like that in Missoula. Um, we get a lot of people from bigger cities, Seattle, uh, San Francisco, a lot of people from Chicago and Denver, have you been asking people where they're from? We ask everybody. Oh, good. Yeah. We try to get as much information from everybody as we can. It kind of helps with the, uh, overall experience, you know, the more information we have, the more personable we can make it. And so, um, it just kind of happens in small talk and people tell us, you know, well, we're from Denver and we've been on vacation. We haven't had a meal like this in a month being on the road. This reminds us of a, a place that we would eat in downtown Chicago or New York. Right. Oh, that's cool. So we get that all the time, which is nice. It's reaffirming that we're doing something right. Have you had supply chain interruptions? Yeah, we yeah. certainly have. So has that changed your menu? Well, our menu changed a lot. Um, coming out of COVID here in, in Missoula and in Cook City, it changed. But uh, we thought that uh, the trend for the restaurants out of COVID would be much more pushed towards uh, to go and pick up food. Right. And I think for a lot of places, that's that's been true. For us, that didn't really happen. But uh, so when we conceptualized our menu reopening after COVID, we thought that we would have to make dishes that translated well to go, as well as to in-house dining. So that was a challenge. How do we make stuff that's going to be delicious, you know, sitting in the DoorDash guy's car for 10 minutes? Right. But just as exciting when you're coming in-house to eat, right? So, um, Fried chicken. Fried chicken on Mondays, yeah. That always Which works. I have yet to taste, and I'm bemoaning the fact yeah. that I have. Yeah, you're failing at life. Scott. I am failing yeah. completely at life, yeah. as you know. Right. And that's our, that, that is our, his right. place is our our favorite place in town. Yeah, it is. Far none. And I haven't gone, which I have to say, I'm sorry, but I have to say the good part of it is I stopped going to restaurants because I decided... I was a little nervous about because we were it was an unknown. We, you were the only you were the first restaurant I went to sure. when after the COVID uh, uh, pandemic started, and then I realized I really I'm not you know I'm not comfortable in those environments, and so I went on a low carb diet, and so as a result of COVID, I've lost twenty pounds. You look great, by the way. Very, yeah, he does look. I've great. lost twenty pounds. Very so sexy. I will be and going back. Like a I will be too. going back <laughs> to to make up for that twenty pounds pretty soon. I agree with you. I'm I'm, I'm not as comfortable going into a, a bigger a, a bigger. Well, particularly group. if you read that a lot of the. Transmission happens at restaurants, particularly in places that are not like Missoula, where uh, you know I've I've seen pictures taken by my friends where they as soon as they walk in the door, everybody takes the masks off and they're and they're not separating tables and and uh, you know my nieces and nephews are in places that are packed to the gills. Packed. So for us, like uh, we have we have sacrificed uh, a large amount of income to socially distance in our front dining room. We've also added uh, seating outside. That kind of limited our inside dining, but that's okay. Uh, we just want people to feel safe when they come in and eat. So I feel proud of that, that we, we have accomplished that. Um, it has come at a price, though. Um, but people's safety and them feeling comfortable, uh, you, you can't. Right. Put, what have you done? Well, have that. you run into situations where people won't in Missoula? No. Where they don't want to wear a mask? No, everybody's been great in Missoula. Yeah. It's not a problem. I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't been an issue at all. We haven't had anybody complain about it. Actually, like, uh, 
um, people eating outside um, have felt uncomfortable just with people not wearing masks, just kind of passing by. Yeah. We, we can't control that. No, um, no, it's it's people in Missoula have been wonderful. It's been outstanding. Unfortunately, COVID is COVID, but this place is actually handling it well. Well, if you um, have a, a population that has some intellect, right? You know, I was in Walla Walla, which is completely dependent on the wine industry and tourism, and everybody. I mean. If you want to do wine tasting, you have to make an appointment. They set it up outside. They only take a limited number of people. Mm-hmm. Every restaurant was serving outdoors. They get they waived some ordinances to allow every restaurant to put t- tables out on the streets. Right. And they minimize the number of people. Every, I didn't see one employee anywhere that wasn't wearing a mask. So what you find, I'd say... I'd say a dozen times a week. I feel like uh, we talk to people that say this is the first time they've been out since March, right? Yeah. So it's important to us that they feel comfortable. I mean, right. it's a it's a right. big step. If you've been if it's been that long bef- since you've gone out, you've had some anxiety about going out. Yeah. Uh, so it's our job as well as to make you feel comfortable right. in, in our space. And so I think we've accomplished that. To well, all the staff this. is incredible. The staff. I mean, when you are working with unknowns, it's very difficult on your staff because. Uh, right. We all want to have like uh, uh, a regiment. Like uh, it, it helps the restaurant. We think in those terms, um, and everything changes so much. Well, right. The, the other the other factor to all of this, even though people are coming out more, you know, there's been two hundred thousand people that have died, which means everybody knows someone. One of the first persons that uh, died from COVID was a friend of uh, Scott's. Right. How Wilner. How Wilner, yeah. a woman that I talk to on a regular basis, who is an executive assistant to. Uh, to one of my best friends, uh, she got sick. She was 54 years old, great health, great shape. She died, she got sick on a Friday and died on a Monday. So if you know those experiences, you you know it'd be insane for you to just thrust yourself out there and and uh, try to expose yourself or, or not try to protect yourself. Yep, agreed. Yeah, and so I mean, all that you take all that into consideration, right? And so the staff has to deal with that. People that are anxious, people that are a little bit gun shy, people that maybe. You know, are just they're a little bit more on edge, and to get them to settle down and to have a good time and to to be in the moment is is a tough task yeah, for them. So and it, people pay attention. I went early on. We did go to try to take takeout to bring home, and I walked in. I placed the order. I walked in and looked in the kitchen, and no one was wearing a mask. I walked out. Yeah, wearing a mask and sanitizing is not that big a deal it's when not. it's all said and done. You might have a you know, a personal principle about it, but you have to clean your, keep your restaurant clean to begin with, or else you don't meet sanitation requirements and they have inspections on that sort of thing. Putting a mask on is not big, that's not, not big a deal. I, I would say that, you know, 90% of the restaurants that I've been to in Missoula, they, I mean, people are professionals. They hold themselves to standards. Nobody wants to get anybody sick. Nobody wants to get sick. Right. Um, we make mistakes, definitely. Huh. Like sometimes, um, you know, people will forget to flip their mask up. You know, it happens. Or somebody gets, I mean, just at the mustard seed, somebody just just, sure. uh, just got sick, one of the employees, they shut down. Yep. Yeah. Because they don't know what the ramifications I, I, I of it that's going to be something that, sadly, every restaurant in this town is probably going to have to deal with at some yeah. point or the another. Like, uh, And I hope that people out there listening, you know, these restaurants, you don't take them to task for that. It's It's, like I said, I think most places are doing the right thing. Um, well, you can't quarantine all your employees. No, and I think it's just, right. you know, people are going to, it's just the... You're not the it's NBA. The, it's the, not, yeah. There's it's, no it's, bubble. It's, it's, no it's, bubble. The, it's the nature of the virus, right? And it's just, I think each restaurant, like at some point until uh, we can get this under wraps, is is probably going to have to deal with that in some, some way. Let's do a quick ID. Our guest is Raz Schneider. He is the owner, proprietor, and partner 
of Second Set Bistro over on on uh, the old Florence building, right? That's the old Yeah, Florence. downtown Higgins, man. Downtown. 111 North Higgins. Oh, North Higgins, that's right. <laughs> Raz, for our audience that's not familiar. You don't even know where it is, Scott, do you? I just, they just <laughs> We don't know there. addresses here. We I'm, can find uh, it. We just go. I'm we got to go there, man. <laughs> but for our audience who is not familiar with you, give us a little background. Furnish us with your background and kind of what brought you to Missoula. Yeah, Cook City, Montana. It's a, just a tiny little national park border town four miles northeast of Yellowstone. There's about 100 people, uh, no police, one-room schoolhouse. And I own the saloon there, the Miner Saloon, which is an iconic destination spot um, in southwest Montana for people. Um, I'd lived there for... 25 years wow. before uh, moving to Missoula with my wife, Maddie, and, and buying the old Redbird space in the, in the Florence. And so uh, we've been here about a year. Um, we love Missoula. We're excited to be here, be a part of the community here. Um, but Cook City was a wonderful place to grow up for someone in their in their early 20s, right? Um, early 30s. It's a kind of a retirement community for people that age. You can hike. <laughs> You can yeah. ski, you can fish, um, you can drink a lot if that's what you choose. Um, the only thing they ask you is just to be on time and and your word's your word. So it's a nice place to to learn how to maneuver life, really, like if you take advantage of it. And uh, I learned a lot there, certainly. Learned a lot about Montana, learned a lot about myself and my capabilities and my limitations, and, and so here we are. And you met a good group of people down there, right, that you kind of brought with you, uh, or not just from there, but in all of your travels, right? To, well, to so, second set. Yes. Uh, so our other partner, Josh, we went, actually went to the same high school in Ontario, California. Uh-huh. And he graduated before a couple of years before I did. And we all kind of knew each other from down there, but we were different ages. Right. Um, we all ended up falling around the Grateful Dead at some point in like the early 90s and just kind of came together. These guys had gone to Yellowstone in 1992. Yeah. And they'd come back and said, this is place Cook City is a place you got to be. It's insane. It's crazy. Right. We can get bar tabs. We can hike. We can meet girls. We can do all this stuff. I said, I'm in, but I'm in a punk rock band. I can't go anywhere. We're gonna about to make a record. Get out of the punk rock band and come to Cook City. I said, I'm not getting out of the punk rock band. That's how I get girls. What was the name of the punk rock band? <laughs> Dead Butter. Dead Butter. Dead, yeah, Butter. Dead Butter. That's right, yeah. And so we were... Uh, Even uh, then, there was a food theme to you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, in our own minds, we were on the verge of making it big. We were about to cut a, an album, and we played with some bands that were, are fairly big now. I got kicked out of the band. And so it gave me license to kind of travel around that fall with the Grateful Dead and then hitchhike to Cook City that next summer, in the summer of 94. By the way, I think getting kicked out of a punk rock band is really a badge of honor. That's yes. right. There's no question about <laughs> yeah, it. If yeah. you think well, about all the great people that have been kicked out of bands. Right. Richard Hell was kicked <laughs> out of television. Raz was cooked out, kicked out of Dead Butter. Dead Butter, yeah. right. No, it was a thing. Is, is, uh, we, we made a, uh, a promise that we wouldn't practice. Right. And so... Um, <laughs> yeah, well, because why stunt the creativity was of, this in the la punk scene something yeah um like inland empire punk scene like really yeah yeah well, how, were you part of the film uh the end of civilization no 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 no, no. but we did play with the client of western civilization i could drop some names but i'm not going to name drop now but uh, we love name drop yeah we uh we played with some bands that made it pretty big and we were kind of on that path that trajectory uh so coming to cook city Trying to follow the Grateful Dead. You really only had two years to follow the Grateful Dead at that point. Yeah, so I followed them from like 92 to 94. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. And how many times did you see them? Like 70 times. Wow. Yeah. 
So that's not just that's seventy. So that's a dead me, end. I have to ask you this. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anything seventy times, right? <laughs> Except reruns of Seinfeld, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. So Taxi. the sixty-eighth time you saw them, what was the feeling at that point? It was greater than the first time that I saw them. So the Grateful Dead, you grow with them and you learn to appreciate that music more mm -hmm. and more. You hear it differently. Each time that you go, uh, and do they play it differently each time? That they you play go? it differently. Yeah, every oh time. my God! Yes, yeah, yeah. and so that's that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like, and so with second set, that was the energy that we wanted to bring to our food. Was it's not going to be the same every time? It's going to maybe scare you a little bit, but if you can make it through that unknown, you get the big hug afterwards. And so that's the great thing about improvisational music is it can be challenging sometimes, sure. and it can be a little bit frightening. Maybe it's not pleasant right but like right. if you can make it through i don't want to say our food's not pleasant but the idea is that if you can if you can maneuver that space and you get through it it's always the big reward at the end and so that is kind of how we approach our cooking and our concept of building flavors right like as we yeah. want to challenge you we want to maybe make you a little bit uncomfortable in the sense that i've never tried that maybe that's a, an ingredient that's a little bit different you know I, that i haven't heard of or yeah. tried and then like once you trust us and you've tried it you may not like it, right? That's okay. Right. But like it's 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 going to offer something. It's going to give you a reward. Right. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of what second set is all about. You're delighted. Yeah. I I have a great story of uh when I brought Christy Leffler into second set and <laughs> <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Halloween and Raz created a um folly pop. A folly pop. Tell everybody for our audience what is a folly pop. So we be, before COVID uh we would do a pre-dinner snack and an after-dinner treat. And uh so it could you know just be we did like chicharrones to start the meal afterwards we'd give you a truffle. Um it was a shared something and we thought after COVID, it probably wasn't smart for everybody to be sticking their sure. fingers into the same basket. So we stopped doing that. But for Halloween, we wanted to do a trick or treat, right? Like right. Uh, we wanted to make something that would trick your senses as the opener. So what we did, and this is a riff. They've been doing this in Chicago for a while, and I've always wanted to do it, but never had the courage. We took duck li or chicken liver mousse, and we rolled it in uh, Pop Rocks. Ah. Yeah, right? And so... Uh, in Chicago, they call it the foie pop. They use foie gras. Um, we made a chicken liver mousse. And so you, you look at this thing, and it looks like a lollipop, right? Right. And then you eat it, and you get the pops from the, the pop rocks, right. and then the richness, the unctuousness of the chicken liver mousse, right? right. And it actually plays really well together because you have the acidity and the fruitiness of the pop rock. Yeah. And texturally, it just kind of, it's a mind, it screws with your mind a little bit because it's popping in your face. And then you have the... The richness of the chicken liver mousse, right? Like, yeah. Uh, but it's and so we were excited about it, and it bummed some people out for uh, right, sure because they wanted something sweet, right? right? Well, Christy Leffler was one of them, and uh, yeah. she big did, fan of second, she, right? big yeah, but, yeah, but she, she didn't like that. She doesn't like uh, liver, right? She doesn't <laughs> like liver. Yeah, yeah, well, I understand that. Some people don't but like liver. I like it. Yeah, she didn't grow up with it like we did. Exactly. And so her response to it, like, uh, was. The antithesis of what we had planned. <laughs> Hope for. Yeah. yeah. But actually, it was perfect. To be exactly. Quite it was yeah. exactly perfect. My, it was my favorite after dinner amuse is at the uh, restaurant at, uh, at MoMA. Oh, really? And what they would come afterwards, they would bring out a metal tray that was little circular perforations. And every one of those 
perforations had a different ice cream cone. Yes. Little mini ice cream cones. And they were all the color of the rainbow. And they bring it out and let you pick one. <laughs> and it was just like, which one, you know, are you going to go for the traditional it's chocolate? It's almost like the chocolate box, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. just pick the one that you want. And it was, always, it was always fun to look forward to, you know, the little mini ice cream pops at the end. At the uh, Jules Verne restaurant in the Eiffel Tower. I've been which there. Which is about two-thirds. Right, yeah. After you eat and they give you dessert, they bring out homemade marshmallows and a chocolate fountain. Oh, cool. And you're dipping in bittersweet yeah. chocolate your marshmallows before you walk out the door. So those kinds of things make you remember. I mean, I haven't been there in years, but I remember what we had. And your your sort of approach to it makes people look forward to what am I going to get before? What am I going to get after? What What's this experience What am I like? getting? It was awesome. You know, sometimes, as awesome. you say, it doesn't work. I went to a restaurant in Spain where they had gelatinous balls in a broth, and each one was filled with something. Right. And right. when you bit into it, you know, a couple of them tasted fantastic. A couple of them were, you know, what yeah. the heck is this? You know, as, as chefs, you really think in terms of textures. Right. Um, you know, acidity, obviously, salt, heat, all the things. Uh, temperatures. And sometimes it gets hard to edit yourself right? yes. because you get this idea and maybe it's not quite what your idea was. Right. Or maybe the idea just didn't work. But the challenge of trying to figure that out is what makes food exciting. Well, right? I think I and might have told you the most over-the-top experience. I went to Nirasawa's in, in Tokyo, which was the number one. It's, it is the number one rated restaurant in Asia. Mm-hmm. And their signature opening is a plank, wooden plank, with an edible Japanese village. Right. So the house, the house is made Godzilla. out. Of, the the roof is made out of yogurt with with uh, I think it was crushed olives and uh, kale. I mean, it was just to top that. They had speakers in the plank. Yeah, and they had staff in real time, live in the woods, recording the sounds of birds and wind and trees rustling and all that that was coming out of this plank. The food was wasn't memorable. It's experiential, in, in but the experience you're never going to forget eating a village. Talk about that. Just, well, just real quick, I just you answered you asked me a question earlier about yeah. our supply chain. Yeah, and I kind of want to like segue into this about what we're doing now. Right, I'm very proud of it. And what what that forced us to do was even search out uh, food more locally than we had. So we were hyper local yeah. to begin with, but now I would say. Now you're breaking into people's homes and stealing their peanut butter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Farmer's market. Very local. Very local. <laughs> yeah. Um, peanut butter burglar. That's me. <laughs> and it was the right thing to do, you know, from a social aspect, too, is these farmers here, are, everybody's hurting, right? Right. So we're supporting each other. But it, it forced us to search more local for a lot of the stuff that uh, we didn't have access to maybe our first summer. We just didn't have those relationships. Sure. Right. And it takes time to forge those relationships trust people and meet these folks. You know, this isn't that far out there for for, for some people it kind of is and we uh we've been getting this incredible produce uh the last month. Um I don't know if you guys are all familiar with Benson's Farm. I want to yes. throw them a shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So their corn it's the best corn I've ever eaten in my life yeah. this summer. It's, it's So you're doing the Mexican corn with it? The Mexican street, street corn. corn? We're doing all sorts of stuff with that oh, corn. Good. Like, are you? Yeah, great yeah. corn is 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 like a a find, right? Because yeah, and so we got this corn 2 weeks ago. And we were eating. I'm like bringing a tear to my eye. I'm not like it's. It was so delicious. You didn't um, have to put anything on it, right? No salt. No, you could just no butter. You could just eat it plain. No, but I wanted to serve it raw. Yeah, right. Raw. Yeah, because yes. that was how good it was. Right. And so I know, like, my job isn't to like go out and talk to every table and give them a speech about like how righteous raw corn is, right? 
But I felt in that moment that like I needed to do that. Yeah, of course. And, and so course. I went out to tables and I had my my apron on and I would bring this corn out and just kind of feel people out and say like I really think that you should try, try this. this. And some people were like, no, nah, like it's wrong. No, I'm not into it. And then some people were really receptive to it. And the people that were receptive to it, like the looks on their faces when they bit into this corn, it was it was like the Blues Brothers moment when Jake and Elwood are doing the flips down the church when James yeah. Brown's singing, right? right like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that was the moment that they had in our restaurant, right? Off this this corn from this guy that's been growing it here for 40, 50 years, who loves his craft, who is passionate about it. Yes. And it just, in that moment, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. And so, like, right now we're running a peach dessert, and it's just a raw peach. There's nothing that I can do to that peach is, that's going to make that peach better. There's a little of vanilla creme anglaise and some almonds. And that's it, right? Like, yeah. uh, we just took the pit out of the peach, and here it is on the plate. And, like, that, some would argue that's not cooking, but, like, to me, like, that is the essence of, like, what we do is, like, we're taking these ingredients that we have locally and we're giving them to you, that's the best they're going to get. So, like, the Right, only cooking that, doesn't mean you have to heat it. The only thing I'm going to do is right. ruin it, is ruin it at that point. So what's an interesting parallel is to, to performance, to music performance, where as an artist performing in front of an audience, they're feeding off of that audience and their reaction. And if you have a better audience, traditionally you give a better performance, a more energized, uplifting performance. It's the same thing with serving food, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I would think so. I'm so one thing that COVID has done for me personally. Yes, um, I think for our restaurant too is it allowed us to pivot to a more playful, fun, yeah, sort of uh, yeah presentation of our food, right? Like it allowed us to be ourselves. Like we're not sugarcoating it. Like we're in a tough spot, and a lot of restaurants are in a tough spot. You know, we have let's be ourselves. Sure, let's cook the food that we want to cook. Right, let's let's, let's be who we are. Right, right. Like, well, uh, I think a better music analogy is that mm -hmm. people are used to, you know, like listening to recordings or seeing right. their artists the way they've always seen them. Right. So when someone goes from full orchestration to a cappella, it sometimes upsets people. Or the biggest right. example of it was when Bob Dylan went, you know, electric. electric, and people were just going nuts. Right. And you would say, "What do you mean nuts? This is a cool, you know, he's with the band. He's going. I mean, it's right. really it's a change of a pace, just like what you were talking about with uh, the Dead. You're you're experimenting in the same way, and the people that don't get it either have to be brought along. Or, you know, they're better off going to some place where they know they're going to have, you know, a McDonald's burger and it's always the same. There's a lot of restaurants in Missoula that are wonderful restaurants that, that everybody can find what they need. Right. We're trying to fill that void of, of what we think people may really enjoy here. And it's a little bit different. It's a, it's it's different. Like Well, we, I think what's going to help is the fact that we have, you know, a movie studio going in. We have the Yellowstone people here. We have all these... Coastal people and big city people that are looking now at, at Missoula and Bozeman as their new homes, and they're used to a different, you know, restaurant experience, and they're looking, you know, that's more aligned with what you offer than somebody who's had the same menu for fifteen years. Yeah. So yeah. right now we're changing. I mean, the 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 menu's changing almost every day. Right now, I mean, we the stuff that you would see on online is is the core of the menu right now. All that stuff's going to change here in like a week. So we have a tomato and corn salad. That's it's my favorite bite on the menu right now because it's it's really summer on a plate. Well, summer's come to an end now. Right. So I can only get the good corn for another two weeks, maybe. Now you can add pumpkin to the menu. <laughs> we could, have, yeah. No, but I mean, so that's that's how we're thinking, right? Is yeah. like we can't just keep tomato and corn on the menu 
Just but you have to. But you can keep pork millionaires on the menu. That's, that's never going away. So can I talk about that for a second? Yes, you can oh, talk. Yes. Well, that's just a quick idea. Our guest is Rash Schneider, owner and partner of Second Set Bistro. Talk about the pork millionaires. So that is the first e. dish that we conceptualized uh, at Second Set. Right. When we were doing uh, recipe and development, we were in Austin, Texas, and we were planning a pop-up at the time for a group of uh, people that we wanted to be investors at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. We had this great menu planned out. We thought that we were going to be able to cater a reception at the Florence building in May when Thomas Taylor, the new owner of the building, had uh, done some renovation in the lobby. We had signed the lease. It was kind of a secret at that point, but we were going to be the new restaurant. It was going to be a good opportunity to right. be like, here's second set. It didn't work out. You know, we couldn't get insurance, blah, blah, blah. But we started conceptualizing these these dishes, and we had these old uh, menus from the Florence Hotel. Actually, it started with uh, old train menus. Like, we figured out the train routes that used to come through San Francisco, Seattle, to Missoula, and then east. Right. And we found that train, and then we saw the menus, and they were really beautiful, posh menus. Yeah. Well, I got a hold of Thomas Taylor. I told him this idea for this party that we were investigating these menus, doing some study that we wanted to make modern version of these train menus. And not like two hours later, he sent me original menus from the Florence building. Wow. And so I still have them. How and, awesome. And so we still do these dishes. Um, so we'll we'll go find a, a dish from one of the uh, restaurants at the Florence that we have from back in the 40s and modernize it. Right. Food's all about stories. Like if you have something to relate with, People kind of feel that, and it just, again, like, it, it makes it more genuine, I think, like, uh, when there's a story behind it. Right. So on the original uh, menus, they had a veal melanese right. all the way through, right? And so uh, at the time, our head chef, Tom, he had been to Italy a lot, and he'd eaten vitello tonato, which is the veal melanese, pounded veal, breaded, and fried melanese, for, for those of you who aren't familiar, with tonato sauce, which is a condiment that uh, the poor people used to make. Uh, in Italy with uh, tuna scraps and, and aioli, mayonnaise, basically. Mm -hmm. And you would spread it on top of your your uh, veal, melanese, and that would be what you ate. And so we said that would be a great, awesome, cool dish to do. We could do it with pork, something that we can get locally. But there's no tuna in the river around Missoula. Why don't we use trout? We'll use smoked trout. Right. We'll make a tonado out of smoked trout. I've never seen that on a menu before. We're not stealing it from anybody. Like uh, right. right. That'll be a cool second set dish. And right. It's really become our signature dish. Right. At second set, um, because it's a truly second set dish. I've, I've never seen it in any. Have you ever seen tuna? T I mean, you've been no, eaten all I, over the world. Have you ever had no. smoked trout tonado? And the only problem with you serving it is I don't like to try anything else because I look forward <laughs> to coming in and eating just that. Just right. that. So <laughs> it, it's, it's become the quintessential second set dish. That'll never come off the menu. That's one of the things that, like, uh, that we're proud of that we created and that it was, again, part of that process. You guys have a couple of signature dishes that have stood the test of time for over the last year. Because I mentioned in the lead-in that you celebrated your first anniversary. Was it August 8th? Yeah. How do you make the decision to say, hey, this stays versus, you know, this goes? I guess it has to do with supply chain or well, a popularity? Pop so, obviously, like, we have our metrics, and if things aren't selling, we'll take them off. Right. Um, two, seasonality. So, like, the street corn is... Right. By far, like in the yeah, summer yeah. months, the most popular dish. Yeah, your, your chopped liver and peanut butter sandwich. Is right. right make it, so. <laughs> so we do, it's, it's just our version of Mexican street corn. We just cut it off the cob, and then we have homemade uh, fried pork skin that we fry and put on there. Yes. yes. With our uh, house-made aioli and cotija cheese, like a Mexican parmesan is the best way to describe it. It's delicious. 
And right now it doesn't get any better because the corn's so good. But in a couple of weeks, when the corn sucks, like that dish go, has to go away. Right. Can you, so we, can you buy the corn and freeze it or is just that that won't work? No, I mean, like, so we're working, like, uh, the whole idea here is, like, at the peak of yeah. freshness, right? Right. Like, uh, you know, we could buy corn from L.A. and have it shipped out, but, like, it just compromises the dish, right? Yeah. And, you know what, probably the diners won't know. But you'll know. But I know. like, yeah. And so it's a quality issue, right? But also, too, there's beautiful things that happen in the fall, right? So we have a plan to replace the, the corn right. with something that's going to be awesome. Right. Um, but, again, it will be seasonal. So, like, any in, – in in terms of, like, that that usually is, like, the first thing that you look to when – Right. Um, and then seasonally, too, right? Like, uh, in the wintertime, people don't want to eat a lot of fish. Right. For instance, right? Like uh, – yeah, they want heartier so, dishes. Well, just there's not a lot of places that serve fish like downtown in the winter. You know, like so, right. there's not a lot of places that serve fish even in the summer downtown. Right. Well, especially this year, you know, like uh, fish is something that's got you got to be moving to to have it on right. every night. Yeah, like so we'll do it on the weekends. During How about the, week. the Brussels? The Brussels sprouts will stay. They should yeah. always stay. Yeah, yeah so that's great. The, <laughs> the Brussels sprouts with fish sauce caramel, which again sounds kind of foreign to some of you, but like uh, really, like once you have it, it's just the combination of sweet, salty, and acidic, like uh, and a little bit of heat from the chilies. But uh, right. that's a signature, uh, actually, minor saloon dish that that I is that right? Yeah. That, so we started serving that in Cook City about ten years ago. There are at least four places in town I know that do a Brussels sprouts dish that I think we should have a sprout off. We sprout should have, off. Let's do it. Let's do a. Let's do a. Why sprout- don't they have baked beans? That would be. <laughs> <laughs> we got those on Monday with the fried chicken. Do you? Well, you guys wouldn't know that because you haven't been. I know. Yeah. I can't. I'm not eating that. But we'll I, as soon as I eat it. You're not eating fried chicken. So I'm on a low carb diet. You That's can take the skin off. Yeah, but then what's That's the point? Fried chicken. Yeah. That's not fried chicken. Baked chicken. No, but you can come get some baked beans, Arnie. I can. Well, yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah, I can get some baked beans. <laughs> Actually, please, I golf with them. He doesn't yeah, need right. any baked beans. <laughs> so these. Here's the deal, man. Like, uh, here's a little cook secret for you. Okay. If you add a little bicarbonate to your beans, yes. it won't cause as much gas. That's right. And also, too, it What's keeps the point. Cr- it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, and then we'll see blazing sounds. Then you'll never be right. able to put that uh, mute button on the Zoom. That's what you really need it for, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, no, so... <laughs> That that's how the decisions are made, and then also too, it's just uh, the dishes get stagnant, and if they're not moving, then it's it's time for them to change. So, Raz, you're very passionate about food, food in the business, but the restaurant business in itself is a tough haul. I've never wanted to be in it. I know people that are in it, and it's their life. They can't even take vacations, you know, to get away from it. How do you balance this enthusiasm for the creativity of the food and the fact that you're open, you know, six days a week, you know, and you, you're in there early, you're out late, you got yeah. the staff and dishwasher. I mean, all that stuff that goes into running. It don't, it don't, to me, it's, it's only a cut above running a B&B. You know, in terms yeah. of how much, how much intensity and how much life it sucks out of you. So, for me, I think I was stricken with this, like... Uh, my gift, I think, at birth was I understood food. And so for me, like, I think my path was, like, uh, ingrained in me from a young age, right? And so I could do other things, but this is kind of what I understand, I guess, that yeah. comes to to me easiest. Uh, I wouldn't wish restaurant, like, a restaurant career on anybody. Like, owning a restaurant's... It's difficult. It's challenging. Um, and in the COVID world, is even more dicey, oh, for sure. Yeah. But, like, also, too, when... When you are the type of person, I guess it's a little narcissistic a little bit because you get to make people feel good, right? And you get that reward. You feel great. 
Well, um, it's a great name for the bit. second set. It's like improv music, and you see how the audience reacts to the music. Yeah. This is, you're seeing how your audience reacts to your the dishes that you've created. So it, it can be a drug. I mean, it really can. And I don't mean to like say that in, in jest, but just seeing the reactions of people, um, that's what gets you through is... Uh, when they have that well once that's in your blood you can, i mean look at i mean jerry seinfeld is a billionaire yeah he still does stand up you know at 65 years right. old he yeah, he does. every work again he needs the feedback well it's affirmation yeah. i mean like uh, you're you're creating something and when people appreciate that it's i don't know if you guys like go to vegas much yes have you ever won money there yes you know how they make you feel yes that's what like cooking a meal that somebody really enjoys is it's it's you're out, you're out of your mind it's a fantasy world you know like and that's maybe like comparing it to winning money in las vegas is a bad analogy but like uh no it's a it's, high it's, it's, a high. it's a high yeah it's a and high. i'm sure somebody that's saying the, to you this sucks is a, is a real doubt it's really not though like uh because at this point it's in my life, so it's, it's better fake, than it's, winning money it's, it's, <laughs> it's information yeah just like losing the money if you know i gamble if i lose money well that was probably like not the smartest thing but i'm good with it because this is yeah I've, I've learned to gamble in that sense that, that is like, where it's a lot like music performance where yes. an artist who's getting the feedback from the audience it creates a better performance it creates fee and if they know they have a sour they hit a sour note or the arrangement is not you know the crowd's not dancing right. the crowd's not reacting i think a lot of times like i bet people have wanted to tell me that they didn't like it but they just don't know how to like or they're intimidated right. you know and that's okay. And I really like, I don't, if you have constructive. I, tell, I think, uh, maybe. No, no, most people, <laughs> I could be at a table where somebody says, you know, not in your restaurant, but somebody says, this is horrible. And somebody comes over and says, how's the meal? And they're, they're like, like oh, it's great. Oh, it's great. Yeah. They won't, they I, won't send it back. They won't give criticism. This is overdone. They won't do it. Well, they'll I'm complain, this, but they won't tell the restaurant. Unless they say, honestly, I need you to tell me how it is because it's a new dish and I'm not sure about it. Now, or, or um, it's a new dish. But. You you'll know when I'm for, when it's for real though. Well, sometimes you don't want to be cr critical because everybody has a bad sure, day, right? Yeah, right. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, and people aren't going out to be restaurant critics, and I'm not like suggesting that everybody needs to be. Um, no. I would say like the most. Of, not a fan of I would say that people, our our biggest complaints, is our food. It, it's right in the line of like too much, you know, like so, spice, spice, salt, yes. like all that stuff, right? Like, uh, but when you're cooking like that, you're going to, you're going to ride that edge. Like, and that's why it's so flavorful is because Kathy tells you that I heard somebody at your restaurant say somebody was that's, in there once who said, there's nothing to eat on this menu. And I actually went over and said, well, I don't understand your, your comment. I overheard your comment. And they said, well, there isn't roast beef. I mean, they were, they were looking this is a restaurant. It's got to be. It's got to have prime rib. It's got to have roast beef. It's got to have all the normal things. You know, so, uh, uh, you know, rack of salmon or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. And so with code, that's that's been an issue. We have people come up and look at the menu all the time. It's, there's nothing here for us. So we ask them, <laughs> what, what what are you looking for? And in that moment, like I kind of feel that the, they feel like we're putting them on the spot. But again, I'm just trying to get information. I'm not. We have a condensed menu right now. It's it's COVID nineteen. It's like we we can't afford to have. A massive menu too. We don't believe in a massive menu. Right. Like uh, you, you just. We're not a diner. You're making me hungry. Yeah, I should have brought food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, uh, but like, I mean, it happens. Like I said, like we we we're aggressive with our seasoning. We're aggressive with the flavors, and so sometimes people, you know, it's not for them. And so like that that would be right. I would it say, happens. I, and it's not even really a complaint in my 
my mind, you know, it just brings to light, like... But you know, there's some things you shouldn't be willing to do, which I'm sure you're not. I mean, Montana's palate has gotten much more sophisticated oh, yeah. right. than 15 years ago. But I had a friend who had a restaurant down in Hamilton, opened an Italian place called La Trattoria, and they were cooking her family's New York, Brooklyn, Italian grandmother's recipes. Right. And they were very proud, like you would be. Mm-hmm. And they would serve it, and she told me that almost 50% of the time, people that were eating there asked for ketchup to put on the spaghetti. So have you guys seen Big Night? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of parallels to Second Set and Big right. Night. Right, Stanley Tucci. So we're doing this wine dinner uh, the 28th of... I was going to say, let's take a quick break, and then I want to finish. Sure. I want to do our final segment. I want sure. to talk about what's going on. Right. Back after this with our guest, Raz Schneider from Second Set Bistro. Hey, it's Sean Hannity. We are back with Raz. Raz Schneider. Yes. You started in the beginning, you began to allude to events that you have, and I know you have a whole slew oh, of events <laughs> coming up. So tell us about it. Get our readers salivating about so, this. A couple things, and um, if you want to check them out here next week uh, on our website, secondsetbistro.com, you can go and, and, and look at some of the stuff we're doing. You can also follow us on Instagram. We're posting a lot of stuff uh on Instagram each day. Well, starting next week, we'll start posting stuff about these events that we have coming up. So, uh, the 21st of October, which I believe is a Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, we're doing a joint dinner with the Rhino. Uh, we're doing a mezcal tasting. And so we had done nice. a back alley bourbon before COVID, uh, in the Florence building. Uh, it was a six course bourbon tasting dinner. So we thought, let's do a back alley mezcal. And so we're going to do that in the lobby of the Florence. Uh, we're, it's going to be socially distanced. We're going to limit it to 50. Uh, you'll be able to buy uh, pods of tickets, uh, twos, fours, sixes, and eights. Uh, once we reach 50, then we got to cap it because that's all we can do. But uh, uh, it'll be in a safe space. We'll be distanced. We'll have uh, six tequilas, or I'm sorry, six mezcals, and then five courses to go along with that mezcal. Um, mezcal is a very, very complex alcohol, so it goes very, very well with food. There's a lot going on. And what's that going to be priced at? $125 a person, which is a really, really, really good deal for the sure. the food that we're serving. And the mezcal. Um, and the mezcal, they're... yeah. So, uh, um, we're going to have to go. It's We should all go. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> Arnie, you and I specifically. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. the next week we are um, partnering with George's Distributing, and we're going to do a an Italian vintner's dinner. Uh, inside second set, which is going to be cool. So again, that's going October twenty eighth. October twenty eighth, yeah, and that'll be a hundred dollars a person, and that'll be a, a trip through Italy. And so uh, I was just we were talking about a big night before we took a break. Yeah, Italy. And, and so one of the dishes, if uh, for you listeners, if you've not seen Big Night, I, I suggest you check it out. It's a it's a great food movie. But um, at the end of the the movie, they're making a big dinner uh, to celebrate the arrival of Louis Prima. And they do this risotto, and it is the um, it's the Italian flag. It's a basil, uh, parmesan, tomato risotto, red, white, and green. And so we're do, we're going to do a riff on that for one of the courses. It's going to be a uh, arancini with uh, <laughs> stuff with anduja. I don't know. Do you guys know what anduja is? What is it's a so, uh, a um, sausage? Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a sausage that's right. that's soft. It's uh, made with a Calabrian chili. It's got a little bit of spice. Um, it's spreadable, so it's soft. Nice. So like when you fry it, like. Uh, Almost becomes like uh, like pulled pork texture almost. Right? Yeah. So it's got a little bit of heat, salt, some acid there. Inside like a fried risotto ball with fresh ricotta cheese, 
And then Italian salsa verde. So you got the red, white, and green. And where are you, and these events are going to be done where? In the restaurant and in the. Uh... So the wine dinner will be inside of Second Set. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then um, the the um, back alley mezcal will be in the lobby of the Florence Building. Actually. Fantastic. And what's yeah. the what's the capacity for each event? Fifty. Fifty. The first fifty. Yeah. First, first fifty. 50 yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That's great. So yeah. it's, it's well just... worth if if you haven't experienced well, these kinds of meals. And yeah. I was at the bourbon the the, yeah. the initial event. Yeah. Incredible. We had it was so much fun, and it was a limited crowd, right. and the food was outstanding, and the bourbon was flowing. And I have to tell you, it's a great format to showcase your inventive recipes and styles with great alcohol. The, the food's amazing. We've been practicing dishes yes. already. Uh, like we served one last weekend that people went crazy about the first course for the uh, mezcal dinner. Okay. And this is a great story. I'll kind of leave it at that. Sure. Uh, so. A lot of stuff going on in, in mezcal, uh, a lot of different, um, you know, flavors and deep, deep, deep uh, um, hits that get your palate like in a ton of different spots. And so we, we were taking these tasting notes and everybody kind of came to the consensus that the, the first round of mezcal had hints of cucumber, had hints of spearmint, had hints of sour apple. So my mind went right away to oyster, a raw oyster. Yeah, that's the great combination. Kumamoto oyster, because right. anybody that's had a Kumamoto oyster might have noticed that there's a very vegetal sense to the yeah. Kumamoto oyster. It almost tastes like cucumber at the back of your palate. Yeah. And so that's one, one of my I'm, favorite oysters. It's a wonderful oyster. So what what I did is I was like, well, I'm going to make an agua chile, which in um, you know s- s- certain parts of Mexico, Baja, They'll, they'll make it with uh, cucumber, jalapeno, water, and lime. And that's it. And they put it over uh, shrimp. Yeah. And it's a dish. It's almost was, like serviche. Almost like, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to make it with apple and tomatillo because I want that tartness. And right. apple will go great. And then we'll make a little salad with the cucumber, the apple, and the tomatillo that the oysters will sit on. Um, and then we'll pour that aguachile around the oyster. <laughs> Arnie's getting hungry. And so... Um, <laughs> Like in that moment, that's that was the dish was conceptualized, and then it went to plate last Saturday, and it was amazing. Like it hit every one of those notes. Like uh, that's um, great. That's perfect. so we have to say we have to go in. Yeah, and you get have a, to, a preview. We're gonna have to. We have, we have a preview. If I die, I die. <laughs> yes. We'll keep you safe. Yeah, keep you uh, safe. We'll keep you safe. But that just kind of gives you a little uh, hint into like the process of when we're thinking through a plate. Um, there's a lot that goes on. How there's you a get lot of to thought. It. Yeah. Like, yep. uh, um, like I said, we're always trying to match textures and flavors and different uh, temperatures and hot and cold and crunchy and and it, when you can achieve that and it all's harmonious and you have a really good dish and uh, when it hits like that, it's it's pretty exciting. Everything's for us. cooking. Yeah, everything's cooking. Everything's cooking. Our uh, oh, we're, in this sense, we're raw dogging it. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. he's ready. The, our guest was Rationator. He is the owner and partner of Second Set Bistro. He's got two events. Go to secondsetbistro.com to learn more there in October, October 21st and 28th. And be prepared to be delighted. Aren't exactly. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, it's always a pleasure seeing you, Raz. Yep. Scott, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO.
My name is 